Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. This morning, as we uh, uh, continue in our sermon series, uh, what is the Church of Christ? And now the ellipsis, dot, 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 what about the Church of Christ? We're going to discuss that the Lord added to the church. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? The Lord added to the church. Of course He did. He established it, and then He added to it. And if you look at the Acts of the Apostles, which is where we're going to go today, go to Acts chapter 2, scroll down to verse 42, and if you have uh, or you prefer a New King James or King James Bible, then you're going to be excited today because for one of the very few times in my pastoral career, I'm going to speak out of the New King James today. And there's a reason why I'm going to do it. As I look at this particular passage, all the way down in verse 47, that's what we're looking at, Acts 2, 42 to 47, down in the bottom on the, on the final verse, it talks about that the Lord added to the church daily. Some of the versions, well, most of the versions don't say the church. It just says the Lord added to their number, those who are being saved, or added to their group, those who are being saved. The problem with that is, there's a, there's a word in there in the Greek called ekklesia, E-K-K-L-I-S-I-A. And for whatever reason, the more modern translations, even the direct ones, do not use church there. They just say their number. And the reason that they do that is because they think it's redundant because it says the church and number or their group. And that's true, it does. But you cannot refute the idea that ecclesia appears, and so it, because it does, that means church. So the King James is the only one that uses the word church there, in my opinion, rightfully, because ecclesia is there. So as we look at uh, Acts 42, let's take a look at uh, the, those six verses and see what God has to say. What about the church of Christ the Lord added to the church daily? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And, at, and all that they believed were together, they had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple. And breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meal and their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And here's the key. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And the Lord added daily to the church those who were being saved. Notice their group was the church. It's the church 
that Christ established. Friends, every minister that I know has a mission in his or her mind. What is it? Well, we want to add people to our congregations. There are, however, in my opinion, oftentimes misconceptions about what this actually means. Some ministers are interested in seeing more people in attendance. And they don't really care who they are. They don't really care what their spiritual status is. And they don't really care how they get these people. Others are interested in adding a certain type of person, such as people who are already saved and who can make a positive impact on the church with little investment from the pastor. I mean, my goodness, what a grand thing that would be. If, if I could draw people to the church and not have to invest in them very much, but they would single-handedly make it their business to spend time in the Word and to learn from the Bible studies and the services that we have and grow deeper and stronger, and I didn't have to have much one-on-one -on -one time, that would be great. Because the more one-on-one -on -one time I have, the more it pushes me to do those types of things and not in other things. So time is valuable. It's a great commodity. So every pastor wants that. Some pastors want to seek those who, who are the unsaved so that they can not only feel the great commission, but they can be involved in that which gives them tremendous joy, bringing people into the kingdom of Christ. Still others are maybe a mix of all of these things. The only problem is, what church are we adding the people to? Have you considered that? Let's go back to what Luke says here. And the Lord added. They didn't. The Lord did. The Lord added to the church those who were being saved. Key verse here. The people didn't add them. The apostles didn't add them. The disciples didn't add them. God did. And he added them to the church those who are being saved. In other words, you can't be part of the church unless you are saved, period. This is massive because I don't think that's practiced today, not in the way it was intended. You see, not every church out there is completely biblical in nature. Now, what I'm about to say to you, I want you to understand something. There might be other pastors listening to this message. There might be people from other churches listening to this message. I do not think that we are the only church on the planet that's biblical and speaks the truth. Please don't hear me say that. But I will say to you that I have friends, close friends even, that attend other churches, and I even know the pastors very well of the churches these folks attend. And I have to tell you, I get concerned a lot, and I'm just being honest, because the things that they think, the things that they believe, and the things that they practice, in my opinion, and I would dare say, if we would look at the Scripture together, might not necessarily match up the way they ought to. That's a serious problem in the church, especially if Christians are practicing certain things and the outside world, the unsaved, see that and think, well, to be a Christian, this is you know, how, what I have to do, but I can still do these things. No, there's a lot of those things you cannot do. It's clear that you can't do it, and your opinion doesn't count. It's what God says. See, I get a lot of grief because I tell it like it is. Now, you could say, well, that's your opinion. Rarely. Most of the time, I go back to the Bible and say, this is what it says. Now, can it be interpreted differently? In some cases, but not very often. And I'm just being honest here. I mean, I want to be a true Christian, and I want to know when I meet my maker, when I meet him, he'll rise and smile, reach out to me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Not, oh, gee whiz, I'm sorry. You know, you meant well, 
but you were taken in by wrong teaching and you believed wrong things. And so now, I'm sorry, you have to go through this wide gate where the goats are going. Friends, I, I'm not interested in that. I want the narrow gate that the sheep are going into. I believe everybody listening today, everybody here today, wants to go with the sheep in the narrow gate. Amen? This is what we want to do. So why would we even think about compromising the truth in order to do it? I realize that there are things that we have to understand. Many Christians would argue that the criteria of what a true church of Christ really is and what it looks like. Yet in this passage, Luke doesn't give us options of which church he's talking about. Let me explain that. You see, we have many options today as it relates to the church. Every individual church out there believes that it is the correct church, the right one. Otherwise, let's face it, they wouldn't be a church. And the Bible states that there is one church. Not 20, not 30, not 100, not 1,000, not 10 million, one. So how can we have so many different denominations? How can we have so many different theologies? How many philosophies and belief systems out there and still be one church? Let me explain that. I personally don't believe that we can. Again, I want to explain that. But to do that, let me go a different direction. I do believe we can be part of the one church if we are completely biblical in our makeup. Did you understand that? Now, that means that how you do worship or what your church hierarchy is or your government, that may not matter so much. But if you're completely biblical in your makeup, in your belief system, in your practice, then I believe whatever name is on the front door won't much matter. You can be part of the one church. Now, Notice that denominations differ based on mostly theological interpretation. That's important. I think this is okay because there are legitimate differences on certain things, and I think we're always going to have legitimate differences because the Bible might not necessarily be completely clear on some things, and there are legitimate differences. I, I get it. But most of the differences are covered by one denomination or another. I think, I think that's important to note. That's what the differences are. One denomination might believe that you, you're, once you're saved, you're always saved. That never changes. Another denomination might say, well, no, you can lose your salvation. Okay? That, that, those are the, really the biggest ones. There, there might be a few others. And I get why both denominations believe those things because they're legitimate indicators that back up both of them, okay, to a point. So I don't want to get into that today. I'm talking about the other things, all right? The danger for me is independent churches. Now, here's what I don't want to happen. I do not want those of you who are in independent churches or those of you who have friends in independent churches to think I'm slamming independent churches because I am absolutely not doing that. In fact, sometimes I'll admit, and probably some people who are listening to this won't like it, Sometimes I think there's a real benefit to being independent. And yet I also see the massive benefit of being part of a denomination because there's checks and balances there that you wouldn't have as an independent church. That's a fact. 
Okay? So don't hear me making a decision or having an opinion one way or the other on that. I think independents are fine, but I think there's a danger of being independent, and I'm just opening that door. My question would be to an independent church, why are you independent? If they agree theologically with the known denomination, then the reason they're independent is that they want autonomy. Again, not that that's bad, but it could be, you understand. You see, I understand why, but that could also be dangerous because there's no hierarchical oversight, which I think sometimes ought to be there. Therefore, the church and its elders or its leaders or however, however their governmental makeup is, they can institute any brand of Christianity that they desire. I'm not saying they do. I'm saying they can, and they have. So, and we, we can name some that have. You can name some that have. And sometimes they can even change their belief systems based on who is in power within them. I've seen that happen too. Or it might be based on what the people attending there want to believe. I've seen churches transition to that too. Now, again, please don't hear me say I'm against independent churches. I'm not. Friends, we can grow a church in many ways. There's lots of ways to grow churches. But the unfortunate thing is that the way we grow churches today likely isn't the way the first church was grown. Because that one was based upon complete surrender to the Lord, His commands, and to His Word. They were completely obedient, and they didn't compromise anything, even if they were threatened with death. And I think that's rather important today, because the day may come when we will have that problem. So whatever we're growing today, in my opinion, and to the opinion of a lot of people I've spoken to, doesn't really match up with the first one in a variety of ways. So what about that? And it begs an answer to the question, what church then are we adding to today? I mean, it says the Lord added to the church. So what church does He have today? What church is He adding to today when people get saved? It's an important question. I want to know in my heart. I want to know in my head. What are we talking about here? So, so I began to think about that some. Is it a true Christian church? Or is it the flavor of whatever the times we live in, church? That's an important question to know. We've already learned in the first part of this series what the church of Christ is supposed to look like. And today... We're going to see what we're actually adding to. You see, some people are not members of any church or they haven't joined any church because they don't believe it's really necessary to be members of a church. And a few have joined this church or that church because they've been taught and they believe that it makes no difference to what church one belongs. I say a few because most who are members of certain churches don't actually believe that it makes no difference even though they might say that they do. Some have joined a certain church because their families are part of that church. Uh, others have joined a certain church because it's good for, for business to them, because it gives them some sort of benefit of knowing people for their secular business. And with many of these people, their church affiliation is rather secondary. They've joined because it's popular, or it's convenient, or it's expected of them, or they just simply liked it. That's important to note, I, I think. You could say that if we we're honest with each other, that that's probably happened. But in view of this, I want to talk today about this particular passage and some of the things that are necessarily implied by the expression, and the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Now, 
the, the brilliant British scholar and preacher, uh, John Gill, and some of you may know who that is and maybe have read a commentary by him. He once wrote, get this, they were added partly by the conversation of these young converts and chiefly by the ministry of the word. Many souls were won and gained to Christ. They were wrought upon and converted whose hearts the Lord inclined, get this, to give up themselves to the church, to give up themselves to the church and to walk with them in all the ordinances and the commandments of the Lord. That, friends, is what God added to. He added the saved people to the church who were willing to give themselves up to the church and the teaching of that church and to walk with all the others, including the ordinances and the commandments that the Lord had given. In other words, they were part of a church that was completely biblical and obeyed the commandments that God had laid forth. That's what John Gill says these people did. And isn't he right? Yes, he is right. And then he goes on to say, and whom he had redeemed by his precious blood and who were now regenerated and were sanctified by the Spirit of God and so should certainly be saved, which is not always the case of persons added to churches. This is John Gill talking now. Many of whom have not the root of the matter in them and so fall away. But it is of those who were added by the Lord, and there's a difference between added by the Lord and being added by man. What Gill is saying is this. Some people come into a church and they get saved, and they, or they got saved before, and they come to a church, and then they, they walk in the ways of the ordinances that God has laid forward. They listen to the teaching of those they're teaching, and, and biblically, they align their bodies and their minds and their hearts and their lives completely to the Word of God. And still others come in, and they're voted on by people, and they're saying, oh, that's a good person, blah, 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 and let's add them to the church, but they've had no conversion. There are people in the church, according to John Gill, he's long dead now, mind you, but Gill said that there are people back then, in his day in the 1700s, that there were people being added to the church that man added and God did not. In other words, what Gill is saying, and it aligns up with the scripture here, that God only adds saved Christians to the church. Because if you're not saved, even if you attend one, you're not part of the church. Because <laughs> the church is going to get raptured. And you could attend church your entire life and never have been converted. And when Christ returns, you're not going. That's correct. That's biblical. Nobody of any denomination or theological background disputes that. You understand? So, this is a pointed observation. And it isn't often made today, even though it should be, and I'm making it, because the Bible does. So, my friends, I ask you the question, what church is the Lord adding to? What are we adding to today? And so, it brings me to my points. Since the Lord added them to the church, these early Christians were added to the right one. And I'm thinking, okay, you're asking, which one's the right one? Which one was it? Well, obviously, it was the, Lord, the one the Lord wanted them in. <laughs> it's the one He established. The Lord knows the one in which the saved should belong. And if you belong to the Lord then you let the Lord do the adding. There can be no mistakes, and you will not have to worry about whether you're in the wrong one or not. One thing for sure, the Lord would not add anybody to a church that didn't belong to Him, so we know we're added to the Lord's church if we're saved. Does that make sense? Now, which one is the Lord's church? Well, that's another good question. It must be the one that we read about in the New Testament. It must be the one that can be identified. For example, let's look, let's look at this way. Let's say the FBI is searching for a criminal. Okay? There are certain attributes about that criminal that are known facts. They're going to search for that person based on those known facts. 
their identification, uh, who their family is, uh, where they've worked in the past, uh, what their known likes and dislikes are, where they might frequent, those types of things. Those are attributes about a person, and we would look for that person based on those things. Chances are, if you dig into a person's history, you'll know what they're about, and you'll look for them based on what they've always done and who they are. Makes real, real proper sense. In the same way, God's church can be identified by its scriptural name or designations, by its scriptural worship, by its scriptural work, by its scriptural organization. In other words, by its identifying characteristics, all of which, my friends, are identified in the New Testament. So if you want to know what a Christian is, let's look in the New Testament, find out what it says it is, and if that person doesn't match up with it, then they're not one. But if it does, then they are. You understand? This is real simple. It's not rocket science, and it's not open to interpretation. We make it that way, but God doesn't. And so I'm just being honest here today. Friends, there are many churches out there that you won't read about in the Bible today. They're not in there. What they are, who they are, what they do isn't biblical. Just saying. And I don't have to name names. You can do that on your own. Look at the Word of God. Look at a particular church and see if they match up. I'll bet you a lot of them don't. Real simple. Okay? You see, the churches we have today did not exist in biblical times. I, I want you to understand what I'm going to tell you here. They came into existence hundreds of years later. In fact, the Bible knows nothing about any more than one church belonging to the Lord. You could say, well, that's sort of narrow, isn't it? Yes, but it's still the truth. Is it narrow-minded? No, it's not narrow-minded. Well, why isn't it narrow-minded? Because the truth is always narrow, my friends. That's why. This is precisely why Jesus said there's a narrow gate and there's a wide gate. Remember, I talked about that earlier. The narrow gate is the truth, and it's the one he's opening for the few who are going to go through it. But I will admit, and Jesus says it, that there's a much wider gate out there that most people will choose to go into. Now, my question is, which gate do you want to walk through? Which gate do you think you're walking through? Jesus talked about it in Matthew 7. He said, well, and I have to tell you this, and it's verses 13 to 14, and I want to take a, a, a quick movement here. Um, Matthew 7 is a tremendous passage. I would, I, would, I would challenge all of us to spend an awful lot of time in Matthew 7 in the days to come, in the weeks to come. And I'm going to tell you, friends, you're going to see this material again. I'm, I'm putting together a sermon series completely on Matthew 7, and I think it's absolutely tremendous, not because of my skill and prowess, but because of what Jesus said in it. It's insanely good, and we ought to spend some time there, and if, you, if you're worth your salt at all, you've already been there, and, I, and, and those of you who haven't, it's not a dig at you. Go to it. You'll see what I'm talking about. This is good stuff, okay? But anyway, um, in, in Matthew 7, 13 to 14, Jesus said this, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many, Jesus said, enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. So this is Christ talking here. Better write it in both places, amen? Shouldn't we? This is Christ talking. Now, there is indeed scriptural proof that there's only one church belonging to the Lord. You see, the Lord promised to build only one church, Matthew 16. He purchased only one, and He did it with His blood, Acts 20, Ephesians 5, and, and, and 1 Peter 1, and Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6. He's the only, 
He's the head of only one church, Ephesians 1 and Colossians 1. He added all the saved, but only the saved, to that one in Acts 2. He has promised to save only one, and He is the Savior of only one, Ephesians 5, Matthew 15, and Psalm 127. Okay? These are all biblical uh, truths here. Now, we can make as many churches as we want, and we have. But only one matches up with the Scripture. And only the ones that match up with these scriptures are actually Christian churches, no matter what anybody wants to believe. So I don't care what name's on the front door. I don't care who the pastor is. I don't care who goes there. What I care about, do you match up with the Word of God? And before you say, oh, yes, I think we do, you better take a close look at it. You better take a close look at it. And I say that, and I invite you. I implore you. I beg of you. Anyone. If you think I'm saying, I'm pointing fingers at other churches, I'm pointing fingers at this one too. You take a look at our church and you say, and you look at the script and you say, do we match up? We can't be a true church of Christ if we're not all doing that all the time. That is what is required because Satan tries to get us off, you see, to the left or to the right because he doesn't want us in that narrow gate. He wants us to go with, with everybody else who's not into the wide gate because it's easier. It's easier. I've herded cattle my whole life as a kid growing up, and I'm telling you something. The wider the gate, the easier it is to get them all in there. Because when you try to put them in one of those little chutes to get them up in the, in the, into the truck where they're going to market or whatever, they almost seem to sense that something's right. Okay? And so they'll do everything they can to get away from that small chute, but have a big wide gate where everybody's going through, no problem. Now, you can say, well, you can't equate cattle to people. Oh, yes, I can. Because that's exactly what we do. Okay, the wide gate is easier, and we're going to go through it if we can. Friends, the New Testament tells us there's only one church. It does. Look at it. One church. Every single figure of speech in the New Testament refers, referring to the church represents the church as one in number, with its ownership being the Lord's. One bride, John 3 and Romans 7. One household or family, Ephesians 2 and Galatians 6. One building or house, 1 Timothy 3. One fold and one shepherd, John 10, Acts 20, and 1 Peter 5. One. There's your, there's your passages to prove it. Now, there are names and designations by which the Lord's church is and is not known. I want you to listen carefully here. There are names and designations by which the Lord's church is and is not known. Listen to me. Maryland Community Church, World Gospel, Cross Tabernacle, St. Patrick's, Terre Haute First Baptist, New Life Fellowship, Central Presbyterian, Central Christian, Memorial United Methodist, Eastside Church of Christ, The Bridge, Mount Pleasant United Methodist, Terre Haute First Nazarene, Northside United Methodist, Faith Wesleyan, United Methodist Temple, Maryland 12 Points, Union Christian, and let's not forget Free Life Community Church. Okay? Why did I name them? These are some of the most popular churches in Terre Haute, many of which come up first on a Google search. And that's what a lot of people are going to do. Aren't they, John? They're going to do that. Okay? You pull up Google search, churches of Terre Haute, these names come up. That's what I'm going to tell you. Okay? Do their names suggest certain things? Yes, they do. These churches and their pastors I know them. Many of these pastors are close personal friends of mine. I'm not setting them aside saying that they're this and we're something else. No, because I added FLCC to it. You understand? But these are 
how we're designated. And all of us would say we're the Lord's church, wouldn't we? All of us would say that, okay? Here's the deal. Would we consider them to belong to the Lord? Yes, we would, especially if we go there, right? If we attend it. But do their names suggest that this is true? It does not. The name in the church doesn't really mean much. You understand? So how then do we designate the Lord's church? How, how is it known? What should the Lord's church look like? Well, let me give you some ideas that the Bible says. Holy, faithful, reverent, believing, godly, truthful, righteous, charitable, reliable, devoted, Christ-like, evangelical, pious, caring, compassionate, steadfast, consecrated, considerate, courageous, devout, dependable, deliberate, effective, ethical, friendly, forgiving, gracious, genuine, honest, inspiring, influential, just, kind, loving, moral, merciful, noble, praiseworthy, productive, sanctified, undefiled, victorious, powerful, worshipful, and I likely missed a bunch. Wow, that's what the Lord's church is. That's what he expects it to look like. That's how it should be named. That's what we should use to describe it. These descriptions are tremendously better than the names we mentioned earlier, aren't they? You see, churches did not exist at the time established when Christ establishes his first and one church. Particular names or denominations didn't exist back then. Christ added to the church daily those who are being saved. Roman Catholicism didn't come around until 606. Lutheranism, 1517. Presbyterianism, 1536. Church of England, 1534. Congregational, 1550. Baptist, 1607. Methodist, 1739. Now, listen to these. <laughs> Mormons, 1830. Adventists, 1830. Christ Scientist, 1866, Jehovah's Witnesses, 1872, and let's not forget the Wesleyan Church. The Wesleyan Church itself was part of the Methodist Church in it, until it reorganized in 1847. Now, this is a couple centuries past the time that God established His church. You follow me here? I'm not slamming churches. I'm not saying it was wrong. I'm simply telling you there was one church. How then did they become many? There aren't. Either all of these denominations belong to the church of God and they're biblical or they're not. And let's face it, you can look at some of these denominations and say, these are, but these might not be. And I know these are not. Come on, friends. And if you don't, then you don't know your scripture very well and you need to get in it. And I'm not being mean or nasty. I'm just telling you the truth. We cannot identify the church of God by a name or by denomination, but by the attributes that it displays according to the Word of God. So here's the question. Well, can't all denominations and churches be the Lord's? The short answer is no, they can't. In fact, 1 Corinthians 1, 10 to 13, this is what Paul says. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you perfectly be perfectly united in mind and thought, my brothers and sisters. Some from the Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another says, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. And Paul says, wait a minute. Is Christ divided? Was he ever divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Well, the answer is clearly no. 
so my friends, listen. The size of the church, who the pastor is, which one is popular, who attends it, where it is, what the building looks like, what programs they have or don't have, what style of worship they practice, what their bylaws are, what the name is. Oh, my goodness, I can go on and on and on and on. None of those things matter. Zero. Nip. Zero. They don't. What they believe. <laughs> yeah. What they teach. What they stand for. What they do. Who they are. How their people live. Friends, this is what matters. It's what matters to God. And that's what ought to matter to us. Amen. So, can some of us be a little different and still belong to the Lord? Well, the short answer is yes. We can be a little different and still belong to the Lord. But whatever we do, friends, let me tell you this. We better be biblical in everything we do. We have to be biblical in every way. That is a fact. Every single way, period. No exceptions. Biblical. Point two. Since the Lord added these early Christians, they obviously got in. And they entered the right way, didn't they? Because it says the Lord added them. Well, He did it. They did it right. You see, is there a right and a wrong way to become a member of a church? <laughs> yes. Since the Lord added them, that means they were not voted in. Now, I agree that a church board or however you do membership ought to vote on whether or not a person measures up to what the Bible says is Christian. I think we have to look at a person and say, well, do they display the fruits that we would say are Christian? before we approve them for membership. And that's what we do here. That's what the Wesleyan Church requires, and we do it. You're voted on by your peers, and it's a good thing. Now, can you fake certain things and, you know, talk the talk without necessarily walking the walk and nobody would know? Sure, but God knows. Now, you can fool people, but you won't fool Him. Now, we just do the best we can with that, okay? But there are obvious things in your life that, you know, I would say to you, I don't think you're really ready to be a member just yet. You know, continue to attend and get better and let God work on those things and then, you know, Right? So when we do membership classes, you know, I show them this is what's required of, of you know, membership in the Wesleyan Church and, and here. Okay? And, and you know what? I've never had a problem because people know what, what's required of membership. It's all biblically based. And so they know whether they measure up or not. And if they don't, they'll tell me, well, you know, I'm struggling with this, so I don't think it's time for me yet. Good. You're right. But continue to come and get better. And others will say, hey, I have no problem because I, I match up. Oh, great. Welcome. You see, church membership isn't the end all. But you can't be a part of God's church unless you're saved. That's it. The Bible's clear that you can't. Now, the fact is, some churches don't always vote on people because they're Christians, because they're saved, because there's something that's changed in them, because they've become part of God's family. It's true. Some people are added based on who they are or what they can bring to a church. Aren't they? Hmm. You see, God only adds truly saved people to His church. It doesn't matter what people do. God only adds those who are being saved. That's what it says. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. He didn't add others. That doesn't mean there weren't others in their, in their church fellowship. He did not talk about that. He said, into the church of the saved, those that were going to be, if he were to come back that next day, those in the church would have been raptured because they were part of his church. Same today. 
If, if, you're, if you're part of the church, living or dead, you're, you're going to be raptured. And if you aren't, even though you're attending a church, you won't. You understand? That's biblical. I challenge anybody to tell me it isn't. It's biblical. So having said that, listen carefully. Truly saved people act a certain way. They believe a certain way. Why? Because they are a certain way. Right? You might want to write that down. Truly saved people act a certain way. They believe a certain way. Why? Because they are a certain way. And that way is they emulate Jesus Christ in every regard. Now, some of us are failing at that at times, and praise the Lord for grace. Amen? But he expects us to emulate him in every way. They emulate Christ in every way, period. And if you belong to Christ, you'll be completely in agreement with the Word of God and with everyone else who is in agreement with the Word of God, and it won't matter what church you attend if that church is completely biblical. It won't matter. If the church is biblical, completely biblical, then I really don't care where you go. I'm serious. But if it isn't, get out and go find one that is. And don't tell me you didn't know or can't know, because you can. It's up to you. The Bible tells you what a biblical church looks like. It always has. And so I'm challenging us today to do exactly that. Now, I want to say something else to you. People do not decide who has the right to be added to the one church. That's not our call. Oh, we can vote on people to become members of our particular congregation. But we don't have the right to say whether someone's in the church or not. Why? Because the Lord has already done that. And He revealed in the New Testament how He did it. Faith and practice. And when we join a local church, we also join the church universal because we become part of the saved. And that, friends, between you and Him. Okay? Period. Doesn't matter what church you go to. You're either part of the church or you're not. But, you, but if you're really part of the church and you're saved, then here's what you're going to do. You're going to choose a church that's biblically solid. It stands up perfectly and matches up perfectly with the Word of God. And if it doesn't, get out. Maybe you should ask the Lord what to do first. Maybe I overstepped my bounds here a minute. Maybe you should go to the leadership and say, you know, explain this to me. Maybe some of the things we're doing or allowing people to do isn't really biblical. Explain that to me. See what they say. Maybe they'll say they didn't know. Maybe you'll find out that they actually believe those things that aren't biblical. Now you get out. Or you try to change them. Try to, try to, is, is, doesn't the Bible say go to your neighbor? Go to those people talking. And if they don't listen, take another with you. And after that, take more. And if that doesn't work, expel. Well, if you can't expel the leadership, then maybe you should leave. But it has to be biblical. And I invite people to do that here. If I'm not biblical, if we're not biblical, if Pastor Chris isn't biblical, if Pastor Bob isn't biblical, if our ministerial students and, and Jonathan and Heather aren't biblical, okay, tell us. If my Sunday school teachers aren't biblical, if our church board isn't biblical, of either here or our Mecca campus, if we're not biblical, shouldn't you tell us? According to Acts 2.47, the Lord adds the saved, but only the saved to the church. And friends, this means there are no saved peoples outside of His church. <laughs> Did you hear me? If He adds saved people to the church, then there are no saved people outside the church. If you claim that you have been saved and then you join the church of your choice, it was not the Lord's church that you joined. 
And you are not in the Lord's church, nor among the saved, because you are not in the body of the saved. You understand? You don't get a, you don't get a saved and then choose what church you're going to attend. God discer- determines that for you. And, and, and here's the thing. The reason I can say that is this, because if the church you joined is a biblically Christian church, then you're part of the church of God. But if you're in one and you're saved and it doesn't match up biblically, then you are not in the church of God. And that's what you have. It's all about what's biblical and what is not. If you claim to be saved and you're not a member of any church, then your claim is false because God says, if you are saved, you will attend a church, period. Now, I know some people out there say, oh, it doesn't say, yes, it does. In fact, Paul even tells us, and the Hebrews tells us, and I think Paul wrote it, you can think whatever you want, it doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is, okay, stop not meeting together. Stop not fellowshipping together as some have already done. That's what he says. If, if you're really saved, you're going to want to be part of that church fellowship. Well, I listen to preacher on TV, good for you. So do I. But I'm part of a fellowship, and so should you be. Not because I said so, because God says so. Now, when we understand what these people in this church did to be saved, how they learned it, then we're going to know the right way into the Lord's church and how to enter it. How do I know that? Acts 2, Mark 16, Romans 1 and 6 and 16, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 3, Acts 22, 2 Timothy 2, and Galatians 3. All tell us, every one of them. Did I go too fast? Back up the video and look at it. They're there. Thirdly, there are biblical examples of those who were added to the church by the Lord. First of all, the Corinthian church. They heard the gospel. They believed the gospel. They were then saved and added to the church by the Lord. We find in Acts 18, Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. And so Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, we find, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached, which you were which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I have preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Friends, listen. God has appointed and he has called ministers to dedicate their lives in the service of God as his pastors. I'm one of them. Believe me, I didn't want to be, but I was. And I I don't know hardly any pastor out there that didn't struggle with, with that incredible and daunting call upon their life because it brings an awful lot of responsibility. And I don't take it lightly, neither do they, but here's the deal. Some people are called as pastors, and some people have become pastors that weren't called. And I, I think God weeds those out in time. Either they, they lose the affinity for it or, or they just can't do it anymore and out they go. And I'm not saying everybody who's left the ministry wasn't called, Okay. But, but God has His ways of, of doing it. Either way, the people He has called, He has gifted them with the ability to understand and discern the Word of God, and He's empowered them to teach it. Here's what I'm going to say to you. Listen to them. Sit at their feet. Alter your life and adjust it to the things that they are teaching. And by all means, match their teaching up to the Word of God. Match their teaching up to the Word of God. If they don't seem to be biblical, call them out. But understand one thing, 
What you want to think and believe does not matter. It does not. Only the Word of God matters. Let's look at another example, the Ephesians. Ephesians 2, 18 and 1, 13, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift from God. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word, and to present her to Himself as a radiant church without stain, without wrinkle, or any blemish, but holy and blameless. What does he mean by all that? Friends, Paul is saying that this is how you were all saved. It's how everybody was saved. You heard the message of truth, you believed it, and you were sealed. Christ wants you presented holy and radiant, blameless and worthy. And when we pick churches today, now I want you to listen to me carefully. When we pick churches today, it isn't necessarily on these premises that we do it. Oftentimes, we pick churches based on personal preference. We pick them on personal preference. When we choose what to believe today, it isn't on the premises we just listed. And it too is personal preference or what's popular. So my question is, why are we believing and attending churches this way when we weren't saved that way and we are going to be presented that way? If we're going to be if we became Christians this way and we're going to be presented this way, then why don't we choose churches based on that? By the word of God and discernment and prayer and getting to the basis of what they really believe in the fine print. I have had people from denominations that I will not list, who I don't believe to be Christian, who have come to my house, who have sat in my living room and told me what they believe. And I told them, well, guess what? I'm a pastor, and not only that, I have a master in religion. Let me tell you something. That's not what you believe. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yes, it is. No, no, it's not. Oh, yes, it is. No, it's not. And I would write them down, what they believe. Take this back to your leadership. And, and have them answer those questions. And I had one woman come back to me, tears in her eyes, and said, I am sorry, you are right. I want to be a child of God. I said, let's get saved. Friends, that's the way it is. You need to know what your church believes. And if there are people in the hierarchy that believe anything outside of the Bible, then don't go there. If there are people in your congregation, no matter how popular it is, that believe things that are unbiblical. And there are, I have friends that do it. Leave and go someplace that doesn't. I'm not telling you to come here. You're always welcome here. But the same challenge holds true. You come in this door and we believe something that isn't biblical, then call us out. And if we won't change, leave. Because it's the right thing to do. I'm not telling you to church hop. I don't think anybody should do that. In fact, I think you need to persevere in your church. You need to persevere where God led you to serve. But make sure it's biblical. That's the whole thing. There are many others we can talk about. 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, Acts 6, and John 6. My friends, listen to me. Those of you who are listening from FLCC, those of you listening from other churches, those who are the unchurched, pick your church based on the truth being taught. All of it. Go there solely because of that, not due to your personal preference. Don't go because your children like it. I've seen people leave a church because their kids didn't want to go there. 
Well, who's the parent? Now, I'm not trying to be mean to anybody. I'm just simply saying, don't go to some place that's popular. Go because it's godly. And if you find a popular place that's godly, knock yourself out. We choose churches for a variety of reasons. Do it in here. Whatever you do, don't go because of the worship. That's one of the main reasons why we pick churches. And don't go because you like that the pastor is sweet. Are you serious? I would rather get the truth no matter how it's delivered than to go to somebody who tickles my ear and they're sweet to me all the time. I don't know about you, but I'm just being honest. Now, I know some people would, like, would rather have the sweet. Friends, I'll be as sweet as I can. You know why? Because I care. Because I want you to know who you serve and why. And I want you to get the truth. And I'm here to deliver it to you. And, there, and I hope that the pastor or churches that you're attending are delivering the truth too. And if your elder board or your board tells your pastor you can't speak on certain topics because it might offend somebody, get out. Christ never did that. Not one time. No great preacher in history ever did that, including Billy Graham and others like him. And don't choose to go to church and not go to church because you don't like the way the message was delivered. If it's truthful, who cares how it was delivered? It doesn't matter because we're all built different ways. I'm as necessary as the next pastor. It is what it is. We're just different in our personality. It doesn't make our hearts any different. It simply means that we're built differently. I'm a little stronger than somebody else maybe. Others might be a little, you know, more, I don't know how you want to put it. Maybe they're a little nicer in a way they, their tone and the way they do it. I don't know. But are they telling the truth? That's, that's the key. And don't go to church because you like how they do church or because they believe the way you want them to. Again, go because the pastor speaks the truth even when you don't want to hear it. So friends, as I close today, here's my question. Of what church are you a member? The only one you can afford to be a member of is the one that belongs to the Lord. The only way you can become a member is to be added to this church by the Lord Himself, and that's because you got saved, because you made a decision for Christ. You see, the Lord only adds to His church those that are saved, when they are saved. So first, are you saved? I would start there. And the only way a sinner can be saved is through the blood of Christ by means of his faith in and obedience to the gospel of Christ. Why believe today and obey the gospel Right now, and let the Lord save you and add you to His church, the church of His choice. The same thing that saves you and makes you a Christian, a child of God, a brother of Jesus Christ, also makes you a member of the Lord's church, His body, and His family. Jesus said in John 15, 1 to 27, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, and I've been pruned more times than I can count. Probably a few more times going to come too. Why? He says, so that it can bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. 
As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. Or apart from me, you can do nothing. My friends, listen. The altar is open today. We haven't done that since we started this whole thing. But the altar is open today. It's open this morning. We have no music. But you know what? That really doesn't. It really isn't necessary. That's how we do it, but we don't need it. The altar is the altar. I've gone to the altar of God, and it wasn't in this church, and there was no music, and it was where I was at that moment because I could kneel anywhere, and I could So the altar of where you are is open today, okay? You can't come to the altar here at the church if you're at home, but you can kneel where you are. And so, and for, so let's do that. If you want to come here because you're here today, knock yourself out. If you want to kneel where you are, do it. But let's seek the Lord together, and then we're going to close, okay? Pastor Chris, if you would be so kind today, after some time has gone by and you feel like the Lord has led you, close us up, and uh, let's pray together. And I'm hoping that we'll be able to, you'll be able to pick up on that prayer at home. Um, and so, Pastor Chris, when you're ready, come up here, and you can pick up my mic, whatever. But I, I, I want the altar to be moved today because we need to choose churches because they're the right ones. We need to pick churches that belong to God's family. We need to do what God has said, and we have to be saved in order to be part of it. Let's not go for popularity. Let's not go because of money. Let's not go because of the pastor or any other reason. Let's go because the truth is spoken. And what difference does it make how it was delivered? Grow up and seek the truth because Jesus wasn't always sweet, meek, and mild. Let's just seek him today. Let us pray. Father, what a moving message. Lord, I think about how I was drawn to the church and how it was you that saved me. And I thank you so very, very much for that. Lord, whether it be at Free Life Community Church, Maryland, or any other church that's in this city or in wherever we're watching this video, Lord, I pray that you would draw us to it for the right reasons, that we wouldn't be drawn to it for entertainment value, how they take care of our kids, how many things that they have going on and stuff like that. Lord, that we would be driven there by your spirit within us, moving us to the truth. Because, Father God, I love how the Amplified puts it. Your son is the only way, the real truth and the real life. And so, Father God, as we seek your face with a whole heart, I pray that we'd be driven to where you are, whatever building that may be, but ultimately, Lord, to the body. I, I believe Pastor quoted First uh, Corinthians 12 where it said, there's only one body, there's only one spirit, and ultimately that is Jesus Christ. So I pray, Father God, that you would turn our hearts, turn our eyes to you continually as the apostles taught those 3,000 in Acts 2. And I pray, Father God, that we would be of one mind and of one heart as the apostles taught those 3,000. I pray also, Father God, that we would be generous to one another, because we are ultimately, if we are all truly believers, we are all brothers and sisters in the same body, and we need to look out for one another. And during this time of the, the COVID, or whatever you want to call it, I pray that we would look out for one another, that we would just be there for one another and 
help one another through these tough times. And if we have to be social, socially distanced, we use things like social media or just, I saw a person the other day sitting outside somebody else's front door just talking to them. I pray that we would do the things that we need to do in order to continue to be one body. And Lord, I also think about what John Maxwell said. He called us seed planters and that we would take your word and we would plant the seeds and ultimately let the Lord deliver those people that are in our lives and are in our sphere of influence, however that may look, through social media, through actually being able to go to work like I am or different ways, Father God. I pray that you would water the seeds that we'd plant, but also remind us, Father God, that we have to plant the seeds, that the gospel calls us to that, and that we would bring Christ with us wherever we may go, whether it's still the grocery store or stuff like that. I thank you for this message today, Father God, and pray that you would make Free Life Church, Lord, one body that follows one word, one spirit, and that we would ultimately, at the end of all of this, we would be looked upon as a church that built your kingdom up. In Christ Jesus' name, amen.